Many times we hear about using sunscreen to protect ourselves from radiation, and it helps protect against UV radiation, but however, there is another kind of radiation, and this is cosmic radiation that poses a different threat to overall health of aircrew. It's important for me to mention that everything that I will mention in regards to the topic of cosmic and solar ionizing radiation is from research studies, FAA publications, the CDC, ICAO, and IFALPA articles, which I will leave links for in the description below. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Fit Aviators Club podcast, where aviation, fitness, and mindset meet to improve the balance of your health and quality of life in aviation. This is your host, Fernando Contreras, and let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by Airfare Pouch. These are amazing tasting and healthy snacks that are delivered right to your front door by Airfare Pouch, and I can take with me on my trips, on my layovers. They give me a peace of mind that I'm having good quality, healthy snacks, and it's just fantastic for the times that I am super on the rush and I need something to eat really quick to hold me over for until I get to the overnight or for my next meal. So visit airfarepouch.com if this is your first time purchasing one of the pouches. Use Fit Aviator for a 50% off. This episode is also brought to you by Garmin. The Garmin Aviation watch line is an incredible, incredible watch product that I have been using for quite some time. You've heard me talk about these watches before. I specifically have the Mach 1 and the X10. Not only is their aviation functionality super cool, but their aviation fitness functionality is awesome for me to keep track of everything that I'm doing fitness-wise and health-wise on the road and at home. You can get the Mach 1, which is the one that I'm wearing right now, with the leather band or also a stainless steel band. And it also comes with a rubber band, also a rubber uh, straps for you to be able to use when you are doing your activities. If you want a smaller version of what this aviation watch looks like, you can go to the X10 model, which is a little bit slightly smaller and thinner. And it is also an absolutely incredible watch. It's got pretty much almost the same functionalities as the Mach 1 does. So head on over to Garmin.com and check out their aviation line. Ionizing radiations refers to the subatomic particles that interact with an atom. And when this happens, it can cause it to lose an electron or even break apart in the nucleus. Ionizing radiation is an established human carcinogen. It is another factor that causes DNA strands to break by either direct damage or formation of oxygen of reactive oxygen species. So basically, it's an inducer of chromosome aberrations, which aberrations is just another word for abnormalities, so chromosome abnormalities. Now, this is not meant to be taken with extreme measures or not to be taken, meant to take away from fulfilling your dream as a pilot or flight attendant or from your career in aviation, but it's good to stay informed and know about this specific topic. There's ionizing radiation almost everywhere you go, in medical machines, airport security machines, building materials, in so many places. But for air crew and frequent flyers, we are exposed to, specifically, galactic cosmic radiation. In 1994, the FAA recognized this and recommended that aviation professionals, flight deck, and cabin crew be informed about the exposure and health risks that we technically fall under 
an IR or ionizing radiation exposed occupational group. The FAA put together a document answering occupational exposure questions with further details in which I provide a link for in the description, but I'll go over some of those main topics here on this podcast. The International Commission on Radiological Protection is the primary body of protecting against ionizing radiation. They are non-government with the goal to advance the science on ionizing radiation for the public benefit. And most authorities adhere to what the International Commission of Radiological Protection has to say. So when we think about aviation radiation, we immediately think of the sun. Actually, just radiation in general, we think of the sun. There are alerts when there is an increase in ionizing radiation due to a solar disturbance, like a solar flare that occurs, and it estimates the levels of ionizing radiation between 20,000 to 80,000 feet. However, ionizing radiation cannot be avoided by just flying at night. There's also deep space galactic radiation that remains constant throughout space and affects Earth's atmosphere way differently than solar disturbances do. Solar disturbances spread through the Earth's atmosphere because the Earth's magnetic fields. So IR, or ionizing radiation, is expressed in units called sieverts, which is a measure of potential harm, keyword potential harm, of ionizing radiation. There's recommended limits of exposure of about 20 millisieverts in a five-year span for airline pilots. It's important to know that ionizing radiation levels are not constant, throughout the atmosphere. There are several factors that influence exposure, and the main ones are the duration of flight and the latitude that you're actually flying at. So there's a program on the FAA website called the CARRY-6, which shows an estimate of millisieverts for your route and duration of flight. I'll leave a link of that in the description as well, so you can check that out. A lot of these documents and charts um, and PDFs actually do show charts recommending values of exposure. So that's pretty cool if you want to get some more information on it. So it's important to also know that ionizing radiation exposure is greater at the poles than at the equator. And this is due because of Earth's magnetic fields being weaker at the poles, and that's where particles are mostly directed towards. As an example, a long-haul crew flying in a very north or a very south latitude experience on average four and a half millisieverts per year as opposed to a short-haul pilot, two millisieverts per year. But then again, that varies on routes and latitudes of flying. If you have a short-haul pilot that's doing a lot of flights near the equator, it may be less than that two millisieverts. And if you have a short-haul pilot who is doing a lot of flights from Chicago to New York or in the higher latitudes, it might be a little bit higher than that two millisieverts per year. So these exposure recommendations vary also for pregnant crews or travelers because they could have a potential birth defect depending on how much time you are you know exposed to this radiation so not only is there a potential harm of ionizing radiation during pregnancy but also during the potential harm for previously exposed duration of ionizing radiation over the years and then becoming pregnant so this is what i kind of inferred from that and that it's less of a risk to plan for a pregnancy during a time of your aviation career where you have less exposure of, to ionizing radiation. You either do that by route mitigation or by planning a pregnancy earlier in your career. 
I don't know. That's just what I think about it, but that's just my personal interpretation from what I read. I'm obviously not giving any suggestions, and I'm also not, this is no facts or anything. It's just my understanding and my opinion. But remember, everybody's body is different, and the way it functions is also different. I mean, I'm 31 right now, and the generation before me began their aviation careers in their 20s as well. So I'm not sure if there were a lot of crew members that had pregnancy complications due to ionizing radiation because it hasn't been proven nor studied. So the articles and the studies actually do specify that a lot of these potential health threats are not derived just from ionizing radiation, but the ionizing radiation does cause DNA damage. So that got me thinking. That got me thinking, well, you know, when we go to a medical professional and we get x-rays done or CT scans done, they actually put some protective equipment around our bodies um, to kind of protect us from that kind of radiation. If you actually look at some of these charts, they show you what it is compared to fly at a certain latitude versus what how much radiation you get from an x-ray or how much radiation you get from a CT scan, an MRI. And it's actually, you'll be surprised to see the huge, huge difference. I mean, obviously in an x-ray machine and a CT scan machine, all that radiation is very in one small segment of a certain part of your body. But still, you know, when we're flying through, through, you know, at, at altitudes where we are more exposed to the ionizing radiation, there's a lot more space around there, obviously. So it may not affect us. It doesn't affect us as much as like a concentrated thing would be like a CT scan or something. So that got me thinking, well, is there anything, you don't see pilots traveling with like vests of, of radiation protection or anything. Is there anything we could do physically or nutritionally that can kind of help with these DNA aberrations and these DNA uh, abnormalities due to ionizing radiation? And so I came across some studies and some articles that say that your diet can actually play a major role on decreased effects of ionizing radiation. There's a research study done by Lee Young and Martin Peterson, and it's actually published by the Cambridge University, suggesting that B vitamins may protect against DNA damage induced by ionizing radiation. Now, ionizing radiation is also an established biomarker of cell translocations, which that is a stable form of chromosome abnormality that persists as your cells divide. So the study focuses on examining the association of this frequency of translocation of air crew specifically and the intake of B vitamins. So I'll give you a little bit of a background on how this study was done. It was performed on 82 male airline pilots in the years of 2001 and 2002. Now I know that was about more than 20 years ago, and there may be new information out there, but I personally have not come across any other for B vitamins. And every article that I've read that has been published since then all refer to this study that I'm mentioning about right now, which there's also a link on the description if you want to take a look at that. So I've also seen some articles and some studies uh, explaining about antioxidants protecting almost in a very similar way to ionizing radiation. Key point to know, B vitamins do have antioxidant properties that could also help with that. So the reason why B vitamins play a major role is because they are precursors of coenzymes involved in the synthesis of DNA. Coenzymes and enzymes is just the chemical reaction of speeding things up and making things 
happen chemically in your body. So being deficient in B vitamins can actually lead to DNA strand breaks and formation of chromosome aberrations if you don't if you're deficient in it and you don't kind of fix that by taking either some source, some sort of supplementation or eating more uh, foods that contain these B vitamins, which is not that hard to get. I mean, there's B vitamins in almost everything. So out of all the B vitamins, more specifically, niacin, which is B3, is the one that plays the major key role in maintenance of DNA because of its precursor properties on enzymes for DNA synthesis. And it also increases the resistance of lymphocytes against the effects of ionizing radiation. Now, they also took a look at how folate or vitamin P9 plays a role because it also does maintain the integrity of DNA. But in their conclusion, they mentioned that, it possi- that it's more possible that niacin has a more critical uh, role in providing protection against DNA damage during ionizing radiation exposure. So in this study, the B vitamin levels were taken into account by both food and supplementation. Now, if you do read this study, it's a bit lengthy, but if you do read it, you will see that a lot of the food items were on a broad spectrum of healthy and unhealthy. So just because it says that, you know, part of the pilot's diet were refined grains, ice cream, cakes, cookies, it doesn't mean that these foods items are necessary to obtain those vitamin levels. However, there are some food items in there that I think are great part to add to your daily nutrition habits, such as legumes. So in general, there was a higher intake of B vitamins associated with consuming certain grains, certain meats, certain fruits and vegetables, and certain dairy products as part of their daily nutrition. But one thing to keep in mind is that the the food becomes less potent or you have less uh, ability or access to these vitamins by processing it, either by chopping it, preserving it, cooking it. Um, it reduces the amount of vitamins in that food. If you were to, you know, theoretically speaking, the most organic way and the most you can get the most nutrients out of a, out of a food is if you eat it from its most natural source. I mean, literally ripping it off the earth or the, or the tree or whatever and eating it right there, right? Nobody really has time to go to a farm and do that. So don't, I mean, don't, don't get overworked about like, if you're cooking your vegetables, you're losing so many vitamins, like it's, it's okay. (laughs) But I just did want to point it out there so that you knew and understood that possibly having a smoothie with vegetables in it, you're getting actually less of the nutrient component that if you were to eat that vegetable or fruits raw or without blending them. So I'm going to go over a couple food categories that provide certain B vitamins specifically. These were some mentioned in the study. Also, some of are from this book. It's called the Vitamins and Minerals Bible. Um, really great book. And I will, I will list some of the fruits and other foods that are, that are great for certain vitamins. So for folate, which is B9, we got good sources, legumes, fruits, and vegetables. For niacin, which is B3, legumes, and leek lean meat. And when I say legumes, um, a lot of people sometimes are not familiar with this, but when I start saying, yeah, it's the family of like beans, lentils, you know, peas and all that, that's, those are legumes. Um, riboflavin, which is B2, it's uh, mainly in dairy products, liver, whole grain. And um, pyridoxine, which is B6, you find that in legumes, seafood, bananas, wheat germ, and also green veggies. And then I always have a hard time pronouncing this vitamin, but 
cobalamin, which is vitamin B12. Everybody really knows about that one because there's so much research study on that one. It's found on meats, seafood, and dairy. Now, besides this article right now, which is talking about protecting against ionizing radiation or the potential of it, um, vitamin V vitamins play a very important role in, you know, energy production and uh, a lot of things of that nature. Obviously, this podcast is not focused on that, but it's, I, you know, if you're going to do some sort of vitamin B supplementation, it's not just for this. It's There's a, a lot of more research by each of those B vitamins that uh, contributes to overall health uh, improvements. So, let me just summarize a little bit of what this study does and what the study suggests and that it suggests that higher intakes of niacin found in whole grains and low red and processed meat diets may protect against ionizing radiation induced damage. Now, the whole red meat and processed meat, yeah, of course, we've always heard that that's kind of like not good for you, XYZ. There's studies now that kind of prove that red meat is not as bad as people used to think it was. You know, you take that by getting more informed uh, on in, in, and eventually making your own opinion and your own decision based on red meats. Obviously, processed meats is never a good thing to have. But, you know, who doesn't enjoy a salami sometimes here and there? Um, so just kind of know, just kind of have that in the back of your mind and do your own research. And then you have your own opinion about and you'll be more content about the decisions you're making with your nutrition. So that being said. Not everyone can eat these kinds of foods. Not everyone can eat legumes. Not everybody can eat, you know, all these things that give you these vitamins. And most certainly, possibly not the amounts required to obtain the vitamin levels to be able to help protect against um, ionizing radiation. Some of those reasons may be digestive intolerances, food allergies. But if you can eat these foods, then I would highly suggest go ahead and add them to your nutrition. Because it's always good to have a balanced diet and legumes just provide such a great additional resource of a bunch of things. And but you have to take into consideration how much carbohydrates are in legumes. To me, legumes are my favorite carbohydrates to consume because not only of its plant phytonutrient and vitamin properties, but also because it has good plant protein. Now, it's important for us to remember Plant proteins are incomplete, meaning they don't contain all the essential and non-essential amino acids when they're by themselves. However, if you do mix a legume with another grain, then you'll have more chances of having a complete protein. For example, rice and beans, that's very common, especially here in Miami and all of South America and Central America. It is a good mixture to obtain all the aminos, but at a high cost of high carb consumption to just get all the aminos. So sometimes it's not worth it for people. It's not worth to have to have to consume that many carbohydrates for you to get all the amino acids. So that's why I think, again, having a good balanced diet is important because you're able to have all the macros and in moderation to not overconsume the amounts for a specific macronutrient, like the example I just gave you right now about the rice and beans. So that being said, in taking all those things into consideration, some people may be able to incorporate it in their diets, some may not, some may like the taste, some may not. And there's just so many different aspects that may have a, uh, I guess, a, a major role in why or you don't, why you eat it and why you may not want to eat it. 
So in, in case that there is some sort of, you know, deficiency or anything like that, that you're not including so much of this in your nutrition, there's always supplementation. Now, supplementation can play a significant role in filling micro and macronutrient gaps of a diet or nutrition habits, especially while we're flying. I had to note, I noticed that because even with my balanced diet, super healthy the majority of the time, I still have gaps. Like it, it really all also depends on, you know, what kind of, what kind of fitness training are you doing, how active you are and everything. There are going to be gaps, even though you try to maintain such a great, healthy, balanced diet. So I owe uh, you and I always make sure with your doctor to let them know that you're going to start supplementing with these specific vitamins because some of these vitamins can lead to toxicity when you consume too much of it. So let me explain about a little bit about this. You have water-soluble vitamins, which are vitamins B and vitamin C. You don't have to really worry much about toxicity with these because like the name of them are water-soluble. These dissolve in water and are secreted a lot easier from your body. Thus, they need constant replenishment. However, for fat-soluble vitamins, which are vitamins A, D, E, and K, remain in fat tissue and can remain in your body for longer periods of time. So consuming too much of these can possibly lead to toxicity. Every vitamin that is a fat-soluble has a different um, kind of toxicity. Some are worse than others, and some of the symptoms of these toxicities are different from each other. So one big consideration in when supplementing is to understand and know the quality and potency of the supplements that you're taking. So supplements are not regulated by the FDA, but they do provide guidelines. Fortunately, there are organizations like the National Sanitation Foundation that certify these supplement manufacturers based on quality and safety criteria of the accuracy and potency of their labels, which is credible by the own supplements company research studies. So you've heard me mention before that I began working and taking supplements for about almost six months now with a company called Designs for Sports because they provide quality and safe production of their supplements that meet the criteria for certifications like that. And Designs for Sports is certified by the NSF, which is the National Sanitation Foundation. The parent company of Designs for Sports is called Designs for Health, and they have been around for over 35 years. I learned and I first started knowing about them uh, about seven years ago. So Designs for Sports is the product line geared towards, towards health and performance of supplementations for athletes and active people. So I'll leave a link in the description also if you want to access and purchase some of these supplements. And if you have any questions regarding some of the supplements for Designs for Sports, please email me at fitaviatorsclub at gmail.com. And if I can't answer the question that you have, Designs for Sports actually has a team of performance coaches, nutrition specialists, doctors, and engineers to get you the answer for the kind of supplements that you may need. So thank you all very much for listening to today's episode. I try not to make it sound too scientific, and I hope you learned a lot of great information today. Again, the purpose of this episode isn't to put a scare or some sort of paranoia that we spend time in ionizing radiation when we're flying, but it's good to be aware of it and incorporate those nutritional habits that may help protect against ionizing radiation. If you like the podcast, I will love a rating on whichever platform you use. 
Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Google Radio. If you're seeing this on YouTube, I love a subscribe and like to the videos of my channel, Fit Aviators Club. You can also follow me on Instagram, Fit Aviators Club. Share with your family and friends. And if you find this content useful and worthy, thank you, everyone. Fly safe and stay healthy. Thank you.